0: Have you been thinking about wanting to start your own podcast? When I was trying to get the Evan Witt show off the ground, trying to find where to go, I had a lot of questions and trying to figure it out, and Anchor was the place to go. Easy to start, easy to use, and it's free, and you can get your podcast heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other great places that people like to listen. The answer, again, is Anchor, and I love using Anchor as it's extremely easy and simple and free to use. If you want to join me with Anchor on your podcast, then go to Anchor.fm/start and join me and the diverse community of all the podcasters that Anchor has to offer. I enjoy and cannot wait to start hearing your first podcast. That's Anchor.fm/start. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to the Packer Recap Edition of Talking Sports with Evan. I want to thank you all for supporting and listening uh, to the show week in, week out. uh, Formerly the Evan with Allison Show, Evan with Allison Podcast. I am now the Talking Sports with Evan. So, thank you all for listening. And unfortunately, I'm not coming to you talking about a Packer victory. And that's for the first time this season. We're not talking about a Packer victory which is very disappointing. I was kind of, you know, I knew they were going to lose eventually, but was hoping uh, was not going to be to Tampa Bay. <clears throat> um, you know, this game, so I I talked in the show last week about what the Packers needed to do in order to win, and that was they have to win the line of scrimmage, something that they have done through the first four weeks of the season with pretty much with E. Both sides of the ball. At times, the defensive line gets pushed around, but especially against New Orleans and Atlanta, guys like Tyler Lancaster, for example, played outside out of his mind. And my thinking was with the return of Kenny Clark, that's only going to help the defense, help the defensive line step up quite a bit. And also with the return of Devontae Adams, I figured maybe they could uh, get the offense going a little bit as well. Um, But unfortunately, things didn't go well. Um, We we saw a lot of similarities to games that we saw last season, um, this week. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit in this episode. I'm also going to talk about um, some things that concern me and some things that I feel um, really stood out in this game that hopefully they don't fall into becoming habits moving forward this season and also talk to you about why I feel it's, you know, shouldn't really freak out too much. Um, assuming, you know, guys like David Bakhtiari is going to not miss significant time, which we, we can pretty much only hope. I haven't seen the, the injury report on him yet. Um, but like I said, hopefully it's not too serious or too long-term Hopefully he can play this coming week. Um, Again, we can only hope. So, but before I go any further, um, I do want to encourage uh, you all. You know, we have 2020 coming to an end very soon. Um, We have about a week left, week and a half of October left. And then we're into November. And then we got December. And then we got January 2021. And a lot of people, they always... uh, they always, they always put out these New Year's resolutions on I'm going to do this this year, I'm going to do that this year. Well, why don't we start prepping for it right now? You know, why, why don't we start prepping for what we want to improve on ourselves in 2021? Why don't we start doing it right now? You know, if you want to read more, start doing it now. If you want to eat healthier, start doing it now. If you want to work out more often, start doing it now. Like, why wait until January 1st, 2021, in order to start? Um, you know, making changes you want to see for yourself. Right now is the perfect time to do it. And if you're one that are looking to, um, if you're one that are looking to uh, get healthier and lose some weight and whatnot i got a perfect platform for you i know with covid it's hard to get into gyms uh, especially if you're in states that have limited capacity and you know some people may not want to wear masks while they work out but your your gym and your city and your state require it you can work out in the comforts of your home you know with beach body on demand you can work out in the comforts of your home. Um, you can download the app on your tablet or phone. You can use your computer or laptop in order to access the site. And you get access to thousands of hours of various workouts, from weights to hit to cardio to dancing, to you name it, insanity, P90X, uh, Cortifort, 10 rounds, Country Heat, 21 day fix. Uh, you name it, Beach Body on the Man, you get access to. And some new programs coming out as well. You know, bear blend, you get access to that. You know, if you're a new uh, expecting um, parent, pre- and postnatal bear blend. So, you you know, accepting things you can, you know, work on that. 100 morning meltdown, um, 80-day obsession. Like, there are lots of options out there for you to try to um, improve yourself and get healthy and, you know, get fit and you know, I I, I strongly encourage you to to work on giving it a try. You know, Sean T., um, Chris Downing, Autumn, Charlene, um, Jericho, Joel, Megan Davies, um, all great trainers and all have great things that they offer to help you get into shape. And they also have cooking shows and uh, nutrition programs and nutrition help and tracking app to help make sure you get all the nutrients that you need throughout the day, you know, try it and check it out. And if you want to, you can shoot me an email coach Evan six, at gmail.com, or you can tweet at me at Evan with sports. You can message me at talking sports with Evan on Facebook. If you want more information, um, I'm here to help and I'm here to encourage you to, to help get healthy, get fit. Um, you know, I originally lost about 150 pounds thanks to doing home workouts and working on my eating. And, yeah, I gained about 100 back, but now I'm working on losing that 100. I'm about 25 down since August, and I'm looking to get another 25 down before the end of this year. And if you want to join me, shoot me an email, coachevan66 at gmail.com. So with, with that said, Packers-Buccaneers, obviously it's not the outcome we wanted. Packers fall 38-10. to 10. Coming into the game, I felt the Packers had a great shot at winning it. After the first two drives, I thought the Packers were going to run away with the game as they were moving the ball pretty well. Um, Tampa seemed to be on their heels a little bit, and Packers were moving the ball. Packers had forced Tampa Bay to, um, to punt, Twice um, to jump out when they as they jumped out to a 10- nothing lead. And after the first quarter, Tampa Bay didn't have a first down yet in the game. Um, then Packers third possession happened. Um, tries to hit by the sideline on the third down. Devonte Adams, the corner for Tampa Bay, reads it perfectly. Jumps in front, jumps in front of it, and takes it in for a touchdown. Aaron Rodgers' just third career um, interception return for touchdown. Third, I believe second in, in in Tampa Bay. I think he has eight interceptions total in Raymond James Stadium. Just, just not a place I guess he does well. And maybe that's something I should have looked more into or thought more about um, as I was talking about the game and uh, researching it and prepping for my preview show. The next possession, Packers uh, get the kickoff, and I think it's third down again. Um, Probably should have been offsides on Tampa Bay, so I don't know if Rodgers was anticipating a free play or not when he uh, snapped the ball. I don't know, but he tries a quick slant route, to Devontae, corner on his hip, gets the arm across as the ball is getting there, deflects it into the air, falls into the hands of a Tampa Bay defender, and they return it to the two, two, one or two-yard line, and Tampa Bay scores on the next play, next play or two. Just like that, it is 14 to 14-10. Packers have given up 14 unanswered points, and it kind of only went downhill from there. Giving up 28 unanswered points in the second quarter and 10 in the third, and Packers didn't score the rest of the game. You know, one of the one of the biggest things that stood out to me in this game is you saw it last year numerous times. The offense comes out swinging, comes out moving the ball without any problem on their you know their scripted set of their offense, and then once they get out of that and get into the game plan. The offense tends to stall. Saw it a few times last year. This year it didn't look like it was going to be a problem. The offense was flowing off every every game, every quarter, every series, every second, pretty much. Coming into this game. And th- there's a few things that I noticed in this game that I think Tampa Bay noticed on film. Um and they kind of went after that. So the first couple of series, as I mentioned, Tampa Bay looked to be on their heels. Their defense was being very reactionary. Their defense was not really attacking the line of scrimmage so much. They were at times in the first couple of drives, but not as not as much as they did the rest of the games, the rest of this, the the game on Sunday. And after the Packers' first two possessions of the game. Tampa Bay control the line of scrimmage. And if you listened to last week's show, I said that the Packers have to control the line of scrimmage. Their offensive line has been dominant all season long up to this point. They weren't on Sunday. Elgin Jenkins probably played his worst game as a pro in this game against Tampa. He was struggling. Um, And, I forget who the player was, but I was listening to his uh, show this morning. He was on one of the local Milwaukee shows, and he was talking about how they would would show blitz and back out of it, or they would show blitz from one direction, back out of that, and come from a different direction. One of the things I noticed when the Packers did go into motion, the uh, player wouldn't follow across the formation like you would expect in man coverage, and then after – the, got, the player went across the formation. The player that um, started like he was going to go with them stopped, and then I saw them come off the edge a few times and blitz a few times. So Tampa's defense started messing around and throwing different things at Green Bay, and Green Bay didn't react well. The offensive line didn't play well. The offensive line was be- very reactionary from then on out. And let's be honest, the Packers haven't played a linebacking back in court as fast as Tampa Bay is up to this point. You know, the first couple drives, there were some plays that you could tell they were Packers were struggling to get to the second level on Bush and Davis. They're struggling a little bit. The plays that they were able to get onto the linebackers. Um, I know Williams had a nice run. Dillon had a run that was called back, which which wasn't a hold, but they caught a hold on Jenkins. Um, they got to the second level. But other than that, they struggled to get to the second level. Um, and that just boggles everything. Bulk boggles everything down in the run game. And then in the passing game, with all the different showing blitz one way, coming the other, or delayed blitzes, things like that, a few times they got caught flat footed. There's one that Jamal Williams goes and steps into the middle. And then he has to stop and try to get the outside rusher. I don't know if he didn't hear Bakhtiari's uh, check down that he was going to be going inside. Because there's really no need for Jamal Williams to go inside. Bakhtiari checked that he was going to block down. You could kind of tell with, uh, you know, pre-snap that he was going to be checking down. So Williams should have focused more on the outside if Bakhtiari shifting down then he should focus more on that outside. Williams went inside, stopped flat-footed, and then had to try to go outside and make the tackle. And it it didn't work really well. I mean, a block, and it didn't work really well. And I I think the pressure kind of, you know, it it got to Rodgers. He didn't handle the, the blitzes. He didn't handle the pressure well. He didn't handle getting rattled very well. And there were times that when you start getting rattled and hit and things like that, you look for your safety, Val, and that's Devontae. And Tampa Bay did a good job of clamping down on Devontae following those first couple drives. And, you know, we can, we can talk all, all we want about Packers should have took a wide receiver on the draft. But the draft is over. It doesn't really change it. He can't change anything now. They didn't. And the one offensive piece uh, as a receiving end who looked like he could uh, – contribute a little bit, is up with an ACL. I know Degara, Josiah Degara, week one, he looked like he belonged on the field. Then he had an ankle injury, comes back from that. And in Atlanta, he blows out his ACL. You know, that's your uh, your one receiver tight end position that you were expecting something from. The other guys around at the receiver position just disappointed. Malik Taylor, 86. There's a couple times where you could tell he wasn't he wasn't lining up where he was supposed to. He wasn't uh, running the he wasn't running the routes the Rodgers was expecting him to run. Uh, one play in particular, he he comes out of the huddle and goes to the left of the formation. So now instead of scanning the defense and seeing what the defense is offering, he has to you know signal for him to no 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 go on the other side. You're on this side of the formation, and then. The play was close to being intentional grounding. It probably should have been, but they ruled he was out of the pocket, um, outside the tackle box. But Taylor stopped his route just inside the hash, and Rodgers threw it towards the sideline. I know he was under duress, so maybe it was more him throwing it away, but it looked like he was surprised at first that there wasn't a receiver there. And I'm guessing that was supposed to be Taylor. We saw very little of St. Brown. I don't know if that was play- by design or... The first play that he was in there, there was a communication issue with him and Rodgers. And then he had a drop later in the game. I don't know if it was that or just that it was his first game back from injury. They didn't want to give him too much right away. I think they should have. I think he could have took over that uh, Irvin role a little bit with the the, the uh, motions and winding up in the slot and cutting into the backfield on those jet sweep actions. I, I, I think he could have used him a little bit for that to kind of get the lather up before... You know throwing, you know, throwing the ball to him, but I'm not a coach. The other stuff I noticed too watching the game, um, and I re watched it, and I'm watching the, the all 22 film. They were very slow getting in and out of the huddle through four games this year, they were very quick to the line of scrimmage. And yes, occasionally they let the play clock run down to one before they snapped. but they they were quick to the line of scrimmage, and they had time to do these motions and um, shifts and things like that to kind of get it, you know, see, you know, give the defense to give it a little bit of a tell. But when you're you're getting to the line of scrimmage with 10 seconds left on the the play clock, you you take time away to do a lot of those motions. And I know we we, we pointed at. The game plan. When I say we, I'm, I'm guilty of it too, and I know I saw a lot of people on social media guilty of it. That why aren't we running these these different motions? Why aren't we running these different jet sweep actions? Why aren't we, you know, doing some of these crossing routes and things like that to work through the first four games? Well, when, when you when you break the huddle with 10 seconds left, you can't do a lot of pre-snap stuff to try to get the defense to kind of give away what they're trying to do. Because you got to get everybody set and you got to get the ball snapped. And I I don't know why that was an issue this week. uh, We saw it a lot last year when the Packers and the Rodgers and the floor and the offense kept talking about tempo. The tempo wasn't there. The tempo in and out of the huddle wasn't there. And it seemed like through four games, that was fixed. But in Tampa, we were back to... Very lethargically getting to the huddle, very lethargically getting back to the getting to the line of scrimmage, and very lethargically getting lined up. And I know Lafleur said they didn't have a great week of practice. Well, if that was the case, it definitely showed there. You know, you, you play how you practice, and if you practiced all week being very slow and lethargic, getting to the line of scrimmage, well, guess what? That's how you're going to play. And they got punched in the mouth, and they couldn't respond. Um, th- those are just some little things that I saw. And I, I don't know if that, I'm not going to sit here and say that if they would have rushed to the line of scrimmage and would have been able to do some of these pre-snap movements and things like that, that they would have won. But I saw a lot of laziness. I also, and I hate to say this because Rodgers is one of my favorite players of all time, I love watching Aaron Rodgers play football, but you, you, you watch some of his play fakes. The, the play action fakes to the running back, the actions following the handoff, things where they were, you could see, freezing the defense in their tracks because they didn't know if Rodgers had handed the ball off or not. They didn't know if Rodgers still had the ball when he did one of these, goes to throw the football or not. But I saw a lot of Rodgers just kind of lazy, put the ball out there and take it back. He didn't, he didn't really sell it to, you know, he was giving it to the running back much. And when you got linebackers like Tampa Bay, very fast, very quick, you you got to sell your fakes better, especially when you got young linebacker uh, uh, like Tampa Bay does. You can maybe trick him a little bit. But I just saw a lot of lazy football on offense. A lot of things that. We saw last year that we we thought was fixed, but it, it obviously wasn't. So those are things that I saw offensively: a lot of lazy routes, a lot of lazy in and out of the huddle, a lot of lazy lining up, and Tampa just controlled the line of scrimmage and they kept, as I mentioned before, they kept showing pressure from one direction and sending it on another, um, and they they just they rattled Rodgers. There's no other way around it. He played probably his worst game in a a few years now. I think against Buffalo a few years back was the last time he, he had a quarterback rating as bad as he had this week. So those are things I noticed offensively. Defensively, and I am sick of talking about this. I'm sick of banging this drum. But I'm not mad that the Packers didn't draft a wide receiver at all. I'm not mad the Packers didn't, you know, that they only signed one wide receiver in free agency who opted out in Funches. What I am unhappy about and what I'm mad about is they didn't draft a defensive lineman and they didn't try, they didn't sign any free agent defensive lineman to help with the Packers defensive line. You know, Kenny Clark was back. Yes. But a lot of times he was non-existent. He definitely didn't play up to his big contract and, Maybe it's because he didn't play for three games, three-and-a-half games. Um, he needed to get his legs under him. I don't know. But, you know, and Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, seem to be up- upstanding guys, seem to be great teammates, seem to be guys that give maximum effort each and every play. But to me, they're not NFL starters. They shouldn't be getting the snaps to get game in and game out. They're, they're good rotational pieces. I don't see them as every down defensive lineman in the NFL, but that's what the Packers have. Kiki Kingsley, he's a guy I can see being a pretty good player uh, in the future. He he has flashes right now, but he's still young. He's still developing. Montrevious Adams, yes, he had a couple nice plays in this game, but he has been a third-round bust. He's been injured more than he's been on the field, than he is on the field. He doesn't offer anything. He is a guy that does great in camp, but can't put it on the field. And the reason why I like Kiki is because he's a guy that sh- uh, shows uh, brilliance on the field last year in limited snaps. And you know, he, he's just—he's still young. He's still developing. And it just frustrates me that they—they they did not address the defensive line position at all. That's where I'm mad about. I don't care who you put back at linebacker. If the defensive line is not help keeping guys off the linebackers, the linebackers can't flow to the ball carrier and can't, you know, they have a harder time shedding blocks because guys are getting clean releases to the linebackers because they, the line ain't, aren't taking up who they want. And then you have a lot of two-man fronts with the uh, your uh, Darius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary on the corner there on the edge. Again, You know, you take the D lineman off the field, you're going to struggle. The last time the Packers' defense was truly special, 2010, the year they won the Super Bowl. And you look at that season, and you look at who they had in the defensive line, they had Cullen Jenkins, a mean, nasty MFer. He wasn't afraid to get nasty. B.J. Raji, not afraid to get nasty. Ryan Pickett. Howard Green. They had nasty guys on that defensive line that weren't afraid to punch you in the mouth. I don't see that with the, you know, the guys they have on the defensive line right now. And I think that is one of the biggest reasons why the defense struggles. They, they, you know, the defensive line doesn't can't do their job. It, it makes the rest of the defense suffer because now the quarterback has all day to throw. Um, they can single team. You know guys like Lowry and and um, and Lancaster and Kiki and Adams and double team the outside guys. They you know the the receive the corners can, and safeties can only cover for so long. Linebackers can't flow to the football when you got you know 330 pound offensive linemen in your face pretty quickly after the snap of the ball. And I think that's going to be one of their biggest weaknesses. The other thing is they don't play aggressive on defense. And Mike Pettin had this fire when they brought him in. His year one in Green Bay where he had very little talent. The defense played pretty well. And the excitement was what is this defense going to do when they upgrade talent? And unfortunately, they've upgraded talent and the performance has dropped, especially this season. Tackling an issue. They did tackle better against Tampa Bay. You know, guys like Josh Jackson, great job tackling. Coverage left a little bit desired. I think he, people giving him too much grief, especially on the touchdown he gave up uh, right before halftime. Um, but he slipped. Terp looked to be a little on the slick, slick side, and he planted his foot to try to stay with the receiver, and he, he slipped. He was able to stay stride for stride with the four three nine forty 40 guy in Scotty Miller. Unfortunately, we had an underthrown ball, he didn't get his head around uh, well enough, and he made contact with the receiver before the ball got there. But that was a good coverage. Unfortunately, like I said, it was another thrown ball. But the, the defense defense is about passion. Defense is about fire. Defense is about intensity. Last year, they played like that, other than the San Francisco playoff game especially. But they they had no fire against Tampa Bay. They had no desire. They had no no intensity. Uh, Chris Bur- uh, Barnes he he continues to impress with tackling, but there's a, you could tell he's a young guy. Same with um, uh, uh, Ty Summers. There's one play in particular. I think it was Tampa's first touchdown, uh, offensive touchdown. The both of the them attacked the inside gap. Both of them did. And the running back from Tampa sees this, and he goes to the outside, and you know he has a, a wide open running lane into the end zone, and Amos took a bad angle on that too. But if Summers would have taken the inside gap, Barnes steps out and takes more of that outside gap, they potentially stop it short of the goal line. But they both went the same direction. Other things I've seen on defense that makes me really wonder, you know, what Mike Patton's doing is there is one play that they rushed two and Kiki and Kenny Clark, almost a BJ Raji for some reason, but Kenny Clark and Kiki both drop the coverage. Like why are we dropping our 320-pound nose tackles into coverage, covering Gronkowski, and we're rushing two. Like, one of them didn't do the right assignments. First of all, you probably shouldn't have uh, dropped either of them in the coverage, but one of them didn't do the right assignments. One of them did not do their job. And that's about they need to hold guys accountable. Be assignment sure. Know what your job is and execute it to the best of your ability. And we did not see that on Sunday. Chandler Sullivan had a great game, in my opinion. Barnes had a good game, in my opinion. Um, but and Montrevious Adams had a couple nice plays. But overall, they, guys need to do their jobs. And they got to show more intensity and got to show more passion. You know, unfortunately, they didn't do anything to improve the defensive line. The defensive line is who they got. And now, you know, Lancaster's hurt. I don't know how serious his injury is or how long he's going to be. But he got banged up in the game along with David Bakhtiari. But we need to, you know, the defensive line is who we got. And got to find ways to make it work. Um, Otherwise, we're going to see a lot of... uh, a lot of issues. So, Lancaster, according to Rob Demonski, it doesn't look like his shoulder injury is too serious. So, but even if he is, is healthy and he's out, you know, he's, uh, able to, you know, he's out there and he's able to play, he's just a guy. You know, he, he's a situational guy. He's a rotational guy. That, you know, that, that's my thoughts on him. Um, so moving on, you know, that that's my thoughts on the Packers. I know I threw a lot out there. I hope, uh, You know, you guys are kind of able to follow, you know, what what I was talking about here. You know, I'm going to uh, preview Houston uh, in my next episode, preview the Houston Texan game and what, you know, what they need to do to win that. Um, But some other games that stood out to me in week six, the Titans and Texans, that was just a hell of a game. Back and forth, most of the game long, Tannehill and Watson, uh, like heavyweight fighters going back toe and toe Derrick Henry is a monster, and Mike Vrabel probably the smartest guy in the room, smartest coach there is, and right now in the NFL, in my opinion. You know, it was third, I think what second and two, second and one, something like that. He deliberately sends the twelfth man out of the field in the NFL. If they have twelfth men at the snap of the ball, the play's dead. Clock stops. Watch the watch the five yards, and the clock doesn't start again, until the snap of the ball. So he he, he saved himself a lot of time by doing that. Now, I think the NFL, once the season's over, there's going to be enough guys whining about that that I think they're probably going to make it that the clock will start after the penalty is enforced. So you walk off the five yards and let's uh, uh, wind the clock. I think you're probably going to see that happen moving forward. But genius move by him in that game. Atlanta looked like a much, you know, Minnesota is nothing special, but Atlanta looked like a much better team with their interim head coach Raheem Morris. Uh, not Raheem, is it Raheem Morris? Anyways, um, oh, uh, not Raheem Morris, but their interim coach. Um, they, they, he was defensive coordinator, and he just seemed to be. The team seems to want to play for him. I don't know if he's the long-term answer. I don't know if he um, gets an opportunity for the head coaching job after the season's over full-time. It is only, uh, you know, one game. Um, So so it it, it, it is hard to say um, if he will get the full-time job. But the team definitely seemed to play. Um, Much, um, much more. Yeah, Raheem Morris. I was correct. They seem to play much more intense with him in the game. Just my observation there. Baker Mayfield. I, I thought he might take a next step when he put some better offensive linemen around him. He didn't. He uh, had a horrific game before, uh, you know, in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh continued to look good. Um, Bengals and Colts, I think, was one of the better games of the week. And one news that hit today: Tua is now the starting quarterback for the Dolphins following their bye week moving forward. I don't know how I feel about that. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a journeyman. That's what he is. He's not a he's not a long term starter, kind of like Chase Keen- uh, Case Keenum. Um, not a full-time start, not a long-term starter, just kind of a stopgap guy, until you get the quarterback that you want in there. That's where Brian Fitzpatrick is. You know he can only do so much. He has flashes of brilliance, but then he, you understand why he was, I believe, a seventh-round or an undrafted guy. So now they're going to uh the, the uh, against the Rams, at home, but against the Rams for his first career NFL start. Maybe that was the plan all along. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But I don't really know how I feel about that. I, I, I think if the plan was to sit Tua all year long, then you should have sat Tua all year long. Played a more mop-up duty, things like that. Um, Cowboys-Cardinals, I, I don't know what's going on in Dallas. Mike McCarthy, I got you know, things didn't end well in Green Bay and I know a lot of people on social media are just loving the struggles Mike McCarthy's having this year. I'm not, I'm not enjoying watching it. Um, I like Mike McCarthy. I think he seemed to be an upstanding guy. He had a lot of success in green Bay, pre Rogers, during Rogers, not so much when Rogers was hurt, but yes, I understand that. He's had Brett Favre, and he's had um, Aaron Rodgers when he didn't have either one. But the thing is, Favre had one of his best seasons in a long time under McCarthy. Rodgers had some of his best football under McCarthy, and things eventually just got stale. But I still have a lot of respect for McCarthy, and, and I feel bad about it. I feel bad that he's struggling so much in Dallas. And I don't think most of it's his fault. Jerry Jones is extremely tough to play for. Um, Jerry Jones gets his hand in everything. And that's why I, I didn't think Dallas was a great fit for him when he came back to the NFL. Jerry Jones is a micromanager. He wants control over everything. McCarthy doesn't call plays. I don't know how involved he is in the offensive game plan. Um, the guy they have calling plays right now, he, he he doesn't have any rhyme or reason to me on how he's calling the game, and that's where Mike McCarthy should you know as the head coach should be able to step in and should be able to step in and overrule him, put his foot down, say no, we're not doing that. Hey, let's do this instead. Um, You know, give some structure to the game plan, give some structure to the, you know, give some structure to how things are being, uh, being ran on game day. But to me, um, to me, just Jerry Jones doesn't want any of that. He wants, um, his play, you know, his offense coordinator calling plays. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name right now, but former Boise, uh, Boise State quarterback, he wants him calling plays, and that's about it. So, I, I hope they get better in Dallas. I hope McCarthy's able to pull things back together. And, you know, I'm not, I, you know, I'm a Packer fan. I'm not rooting for Dallas to do well. I just want to see Mike McCarthy do well. So, with that said, thank you all for listening to Talking Sports with Evan, Packer Recap Show. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, at Evan with sports on Facebook talking sports with Evan and email coach Evan six, at gmail.com. I will be releasing another podcast this week, previewing Packers and Texans and Badgers and Illini. But until then, hope you all have a great rest of your few days, evening, whatever. Talk to you all later.